Praise the Lord. Are you glad to be here tonight? Well, I am glad to be here too. And you know, we are in the Christmas season and pastor's been doing an excellent job the last two Sunday mornings, building up to the Christmas story and sharing different aspects of it. And I know he'll have an awesome message next Sunday as well, but I'm going to talk a little bit about Christmas tonight also. It is the time to celebrate. Amen. It's a time that people get together with family and loved ones. It's a time that churches put on their Christmas programs and everybody is just excited about the birth of Jesus. And when I was having that little microphone mishap there, Pastor said something and it reminded me. How many would you like to hear about Pastor Mark and I's first ever Christmas program as pastors? Do any of you all remember that story? Not very many of you. Okay. Well, Pastor Mark and I were married in 1977. <laughs> that wasn't the punchline. I know some of you youngins here were not even upon this earth yet. But anyway, we were married in uh, Skeety, Oklahoma. And then we were working at Kenneth Hagen Ministries and also pastoring a little church in a suburb of Tulsa in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. And uh, pastor, as many of you know, he was raised Catholic and I was raised in a good Pentecostal church. So all of my life, I thought, you know, I am going to be the perfect pastor's wife. If I marry a pastor, pastor, I'm going to make sure that everything is just perfect in our church. So we just had a handful of people in this little church. And most of them were relatives and some of them didn't even like one another. It was an interesting scenario. But uh, anyway... Came time to Christmas. We'd gotten married in July and Christmas season was upon us. So I said to Pastor Mark, we got to have a Christmas program. That's what you do. That's what a church does. You have a Christmas program. And he's like, well, you can't sing. You can't play the piano. What are we going to do? So I said, this is what we'll do. We'll make it simple. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to read the Christmas story. And then we're going to grab all these little kids that we could find in the church. And some of them we literally had to go out and grab off of the streets because we didn't have enough folks in the church. So we got some kids born again in the park and said, do you want to be in our Christmas play? And they're like, sure, why not? So uh, anyway, and then we had a few people that could sing in the church. So they were the choir and they were going to sing in between me reading these songs. Well, I'm lining up all these kids. We had rehearsals and everything. Thing, and I'm picking the kids for the parts. And I still to this day don't know why I picked these two, these two kids to be the wise men. And, but I did. We didn't have, we ran out of kids and we only had two left. So we had two wise men. So these boys were older, but one of them was slow and the other was slower. You understand what I'm saying? And so, um, <laughs> our touring was up here and we had a little kitchen in the back. And before church, I had them all get there early. And how many of you grew up in church and you know that you got to have shepherds and wise men have to have the towels on their heads, right? So I worked and worked and got these towels perfect or so I thought. So anyway, I'm reading the Christmas story. Get to the part about the wise men. And I said, now I told these two kids, they were like, you know, 10, 11, 12. They were old enough, but there was no adults left. That only people in the church were either singing in the choir or in the play. So I had to leave them in the kitchen by themselves. Gave them good instructions. Now, boys, this is all you have to do. When I say, and the wise men came from afar, you just have to come out of the kitchen, walk down the aisle, and come up to the platform and join the rest of the manger scene. So I get to that part. And the wise men came from afar. Far, no kids. 
And the wise men came from afar. No kids. So then I'm saying it real loud. And the wise men came from afar. And one of these little boys stuck his head out from the kitchen. And I got so tickled because I had done the towels real good. And they'd obviously been goofing off in there. He had it halfway around his face. You could only see half of his face. And he yells, hey, you mean us? (laughs) And I lost it. The perfect pastor's wife totally, completely, utterly lost it. I started laughing, cracking up. And the worst thing was pastor was in the choir and our song leader was in the choir. They started laughing and they kept laughing and laughing and laughing. And the people in the choir were laughing so hard. They started going off to the side room by the platform. And by the end of me trying to read through this Christmas story, the only person left singing in the choir was one of those boys' mother. All the rest of them had left. They couldn't even hold it together. So then pastor had to get up and explain to the visitors it was the biggest crowd we'd ever had. All their grandparents and aunts and uncles were there. And they're like, are you guys nuts? What's wrong with you? Because nobody else saw the kid back there and heard what he had said. So anyway, my point is we celebrate in different fashions. But there's a lot of joy available around the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so don't forget the reason for the season and let your joy be full. Let your joy be stirred. Amen. Jesus is the reason for the season. You know, he was birthed in joy. We won't take time to read over in Luke chapter 12. But remember what the angel said to the shepherd. Behold, I bring you good tidings of what great joy for unto you this day is born in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I was reading that today and then I was thinking about all of the prophecies concerning Jesus' birth and how they were filled with joy and they were filled with hope. They were filled with redemption. And I want to look at one of those tonight in depth. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to read most of these out of the amplified version. We'll begin reading at verse 2. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 in the Amplified. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of intense darkness and the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. Now at the time of this prophecy, it was a very dark time upon the, with the children of Israel. But God moved on the prophet Isaiah and he caused him to see their deliverer. He caused them to see that light was going to shine in their darkness. Have anyone in here tonight, have you seen the light? Were you ever in a dark place or in a dark situation? And you felt like this verse describes here. The people who once walked in darkness. The people who were once bound by addictions. The people whose bodies were once racked with sickness and disease. The people who were once oppressed and depressed 
But all of a sudden, the light shone into their lives and deliverance came into their lives. Can I get a witness in here tonight? All of us sitting here tonight, we could say that was me. I once was in darkness, but now I have seen the light. I once was bound, but now I am free. I once was sick, but Jesus is now my healer. Amen. That's what he was prophesying. The day of deliverance coming upon the earth. Jesus is the light of the world and darkness is dispelled when he shows up on the scene. Thank God for the glorious light. Amen. Light always conquers darkness. Well, this land, it says here, land of intense darkness. You could say that almost about our nation right now. Even though we are the light of the world and Christians are here, our nation right now is suffering from a lot of darkness. There's financial oppression. There's economic disturbance. There's all sorts of things that are going on in our nation. But I don't believe it was, our nation is as dark as it was at this time. And the light of the glorious gospel brought forth deliverance. There's hope for our nation and we shouldn't be bad mouthing our nation. We shouldn't be talking negative about it. We are the light of the world. Jesus shone light into our hearts. Now we are the ones that are to carry the light and shine it forth through our prayers, through our words, using our faith. Amen. For our nation. Because the Bible tells us that the prayers of a righteous person, what do they do? They avail much and they make tremendous power available. Amen. Well, the prophet Isaiah here, he saw that there was a brighter day coming. He saw the light of heaven breaking through the cloud of darkness. Amen. Excuse me, I'm going to be drinking water a bit tonight, but my voice is strong. Hallelujah. And as I was praying this afternoon, it was like in my heart, I could just see that, that there's been a cloud of darkness and a cloud of oppression over some people's lives. But I just heard the spirit of the Lord say, it's time for a breakthrough that there, the clouds are parting. Amen. And the ray of the sun of righteousness is shining forth in your life. You know, you can be around on a, a stormy day in Oklahoma where we'd have these horrible storms and these billowing black, dark clouds could be up in the sky one minute. And then you could just look off in the distance and see just a little ray of sun coming through those clouds and the, and just watch those clouds begin to move and that sun get brighter and brighter. The force of the sun eventually shining through those storm clouds. And I believe that the spirit of God is saying that to some folks tonight. It may be like there's dark clouds billowing all around you and in your life, but let the sun of righteousness arise in your life. Look up to him. Hallelujah. And declare light be light. Come forth in my life. I'm not going to succumb to this dark darkness, oppression. You are under my feet. Just reach up to heaven and let him minister healing to you. Let him minister peace to you. Let him minister joy to you. Amen. He is our 
deliver. Hallelujah. Now let's read on here in verse 3 of this chapter. You, O Lord, have multiplied the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you like the joy in harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil of battle. That verse always makes me happy. Hallelujah. He increases our joy. We rejoice like those that have won a battle. Hallelujah. We rejoice in harvest time. It is harvest time. Many have been standing and believing God. You've been in a dark time. You've been in a season of testing and trial. But look at this right now. He's going to multiply you. He's going to increase your joy. He's going to cause you to rejoice in harvest time. Hallelujah. It is harvest time. It's harvest time for the body of Christ. It's harvest time in your life, in the area of finances. I know so many of you have been faithful to give and sow and tithe for many, many years. We need to claim that it is harvest time. I have given and it is given unto me. The light is shining up in the area of my finances. Hallelujah. The son of the living God is bringing forth deliverance in every area of my life. It's harvest time. Do you believe that? It's time to celebrate. He said they rejoice like those in the time of harvest. Harvest is a happy time. Harvest is not a sad time. It's a glorious time. Hallelujah. And that's what we're in for. That's what we have to believe for. Pastor was sharing the folks, the new folks that are coming to the church. Well, that makes me happy. That makes me excited. Why? Because that's the harvest. The harvest is driving by this building and this building by the spirit of God is calling to them. Amen. Glory to God. We're on the increase. Hallelujah. And I like how it says here, when they divide the spoil of battle. You may have been in some battles, but it's time for you to just say, okay, devil, anything that you stole from me, I'm taking it back in the name of Jesus. If he tried to afflict you with sickness and disease, say, no, I'm taking my healing in the name of Jesus. If you've lost a job, say, thank God, I'm taking a better job in the name of Jesus. I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back anything that he tried to steal from me. Amen. The prophet saw that this was a time of mighty harvest. He saw that even though the nation had been in a time of darkness, that when the light shone, there was going to be harvest. There was going to be a harvest of souls. There was going to be redemption. There was going to be the yoke destroyed. Isn't Jesus the anointing? And what does the anointing do? The burden removing, yoke destroying, anointing. That's what Jesus carried when he came into this earth. Hallelujah. He's our savior. He's our redeemer. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, how 
is this power that the prophet was seeing, this light that the prophet prophesied that was going to shine. How was it to be released into the earth? Well, here's the Christmas prophecy right here in verse six. Let's look, let's look down there at that. Verse six in the Amplified. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be. Let's read that together. What shall his name be? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father of Eternity, and the Prince of Peace. Now let's look on down at verse 7. And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from the latter time forth, even forever. There is no end to the kingdom of God. There's no end to his peace. Everlasting peace is available to us. Hallelujah. And it says of this kingdom, he will uphold his kingdom with his righteousness. Pastor did awesome on teaching on the kingdom of God a while back. You should get those series or download them. It's amazing all that's available to us in the kingdom. Are you in the kingdom of God? Well, I have another question. Is God's kingdom in you? We know we're born again. Most of you in here are born again. You know that you are born again. But there's so many benefits of being in the kingdom. He said he would uphold his kingdom. That tells me he will uphold us. If you are weak, he's got strength. If you need peace, he's got peace. It's all in the kingdom. If your joy has waned, stir it up. Joy is available. Amen. It's not the time to be weak. It's not the time to be undernourished in the word of God. You want to know your kingdom rights? You got to look into the word of God. Too many of God's people are suffering from malnutrition. Underfed, underjoyed, underpraised, no peace. But that's not God's will and that's not God's plan. If we're in the kingdom, we need to be partaking. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, glory. <laughs> no. Praise break, okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm trying to be good here and not to stress my voice. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, let's let me have a minute. Okay. <coughs> well, let's lift our hands. Hallelujah. <laughs> let's rejoice that we're in the kingdom. Oh, thank you, Father. We are in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in us. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I bless your name. 
Be magnified. Be glorified, O oh Lord. Oh, Father. Stir it up. Stir up the kingdom of God. Stir up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I was thinking about the kingdom and that we need to partake, this is what came to me, and I shared this this morning. It's time to eat, drink, and be merry. Come to the Father's table and partake. Hallelujah. Is this bothering you? <laughs> no, I'm fine. So we're going to eat, drink, and be merry. Now, at Christmas time, there's a whole lot of eating and drinking and being merry happening. Amen? But I'm not talking about eating and drinking and being merry in the same fashion as the world. One study said that some people, an average, again, a guy, average of seven to ten pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Now, that might be slightly <laughs> exaggerated. <laughs> that may be slightly exaggerated, but other people said on an average, at least five pounds between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Well, this is one time that we don't want to be above average for sure, right? We don't want to be taking in so much junk and all of that stuff that we abuse our body. I don't know what you, how you celebrate during the holidays, but I do know for sure that mass quantities of cookies, candy, fudge, pies, cakes, hot chocolate with whipped cream and sprinkles are consumed during the holidays. And then what begins to happen is we experience the holidays like Pastor was talking about today. And sometimes when stress happens, the first thing that we do is begin to run to sugar sweets and all of these things that aren't good for us. I said this recently. Someone told me this, that stress spelled backwards spells desserts. <laughs> Hmm, what a revelation anyway. (laughs) Well, it is fine to indulge and it's fine to enjoy tasty treats and goodies during this holiday season. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm not telling you not to eat cookies, candy, or sweets because I get on my little Mrs. Fields hat and spend a lot of time in the kitchen this time of the year. But when I am exhorting, when the Lord gave me that phrase, eat, drink, and be married, is don't forget to feed your spirit. Eat, drink, and be merry at the Father's table. It's time for us to take time to come and dine at the Father's table. Now, there's a familiar passage of Scripture over in Psalms 23, verse 5, in the Amplified. Let's look at that. You could probably quote it as well as I can, but I, I want you to see this Scripture. Proverbs 23, verse 5 in the Amplified. It says, You prepare... A table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Too many Christians are sitting at the Father's table. They know they have a place there, but they're not looking at what's on the table. They're turning around and they're trying to, they're looking at what the enemy is doing because the enemy is in the background and he's screaming lies and he's doing all of this stuff, trying to distract us from eating what's on the Father's table. If you get too busy looking around and listening to all that the devil devil is doing back there, you won't partake of what God has set right in front of you. It's by no accident that he said, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. We have an enemy. We have a, a someone that is a persecutor. We have someone that comes after us, that brings tests and trials. But God said, don't pay any attention to him. Don't take of his stuff. Don't eat the devil's dishes. You know, the devil is serving up dishes too. He serves up dishes of discouragement. He serves up dishes of disease. He serves up dishes of disappointment. He serves up dishes of, oh, you're a failure. And so he's over here in the shadows when we're sitting at the father's table. And he's saying, come over here and eat at my table. Partake of what I got going on over here. And a lot of Christians, they get up from the father's table. They lose their place and they miss a delicious meal at the father's table. And they go over and they camp out with the devil. They go over and sit down at his table. No, I don't mean they're not saved. No, I don't mean that they're demon possessed, but I mean they've just yielded to the lies of the enemy. They've just yielded to that pull from the devil that says, oh, you want to come over here. Oh, I don't want you to eat at the Lord's table, but I want to tell you tonight, we're not going to do that. We're not going to jump up and run over to the devil's table. How many of you are going to partake at the Lord's table? How many of you are going to eat, drink, and be merry from the word of the living God? It's time to turn around and look at what's on the table. If you look at the Lord's table, you're not going to see a bowl of defeat. You're not going to see a platter of discouragement. You're not going to see a dish of disease. You're not going to see a bowl full of fear. We're not going to see that on the Lord's table. Look real good at what he has prepared for us. I like what this verse says in the message translation. It says, you serve me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. Hallelujah. A six course dinner. And do you think that the Lord is cooking up rubbery banquet chicken? Do you think he's going to give you a wilted salad? Do you think he's going to give you some vegetables that look like they've been through the ringer? Absolutely not. It's the Lord's banquet table. He said, I'm going to give you a six course meal right in front of your enemy. You ought to sit down at the Lord's table and take a big old bite of peace and turn around and look at the devil and go, ha, 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 ha. 
I'm taken of the peace of God and there's nothing that you can do about it. And then it goes on and it says here, you revive my drooping head, my cup runs over with blessings. Have you ever had your head down? Have you ever been tempted to be discouraged? Well, this says if you will come and eat at the father's table, he's got a big old dish of encouragement. And if you look down the father's table, you'll see right in the middle of the table is a great big bowl of victory. Hallelujah. And if you're tempted to have sin, Sickness and disease in your body. You can just smell that fresh loaf bread. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that healing is the children's bread. And if you say, well, no, I'm not healed. I'm feeling sick. Then come on up to the table and say, pass the bread, please. Because that belongs to me. Healing is the children's bread. Hallelujah. And then you can look down that table and you can see a huge place platter a piece. We need a lot of peace in this day and in this hour. But the Bible says that Jesus gives us peace that passes all understanding. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your mind be so oppressed and so full of anxiety. Come on up to the Father's table. Eat, drink, and be merry. Take a big old helping of peace. Glory to God. And if you're tempted to feel weak, and weary then say pass me that jug of joy I've always thought that joy was in a jug hallelujah it's not in some little fancy goblet it's in a big jug labeled joy the joy of the Lord is our strength we need a lot of strength in this day and in this hour we need a lot of strength during the Christmas season so don't be bashful about coming to the Lord's table and say Give me that jug of joy. Hallelujah. Everything on his table is good and nourishing and satisfying. The psalmist David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Again, you know, go ahead, eat, be merry out there in the world, whatever you enjoy this time of year. But don't forget to taste and see that the Lord is good. He satisfies the longing soul. Hallelujah. Don't allow yourself to become weak. Don't allow yourself to become overburdened with cares and all the extra stress of this season. Take time to come to the master's table. Set at his feet. Glory be to God. Take your place. We all have a place at the father's table. And that's what that enemy is doing in the presence of our enemy. You know what he's doing? He's mad because you got a place at the table. He wants you to get up and come over to where he is and miss out on a good meal that the Lord has provided. But don't give up your place. Don't get up. Stay positioned to stay in your position that the Lord Jesus Christ has given you and has granted you and keep partaking, partaking of the good things that are on the Lord's table. I like this scripture in Jeremiah 15, 16. It says, thy words were found and I did 
eat them. That's what we're doing tonight. I know it's been a little bit rough in the beginning, but God's strengthening my voice. And that's what we're doing tonight is we are eating of the word of God. Thy words were found and I did eat them and they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Have you ever just had maybe a tough day and you went home and you said, oh, you know, your flesh is saying, oh, just just zone out and watch TV and do all this stuff. Man, your heart is saying, no, let's get in the word. Let's be refreshed. And you open up the word of God. Or you put on a CD and you have somebody reading you the word. James Earl Jones or somebody is, is reading you the scripture. And all of a sudden that fatigue begins to leave your body. All of a sudden that weariness begins to vanish away. And maybe you are tempted to even be a little bit sad. And you start just listening to the word. Or you start putting on good anointed worship music that Takes you right into his presence. Then this is exactly what happens. Thy word was unto me. The joy and the rejoicing of my heart. The word is something for us to get excited about. It brings joy. Just feasting on the word of God. And the Bible promises us. If we eat in of the word of God. If we build it into our hearts. He said my word will not. Return unto me void. Get it in your heart. Build it in there. Plant it in there. Let it be established. Hallelujah. And it will keep you stable in unstable times. Amen. Glory to God. And then eat, drink, and be merry. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter (coughs) 5. Eat, drink, and be married. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll look at verse 17 and 18 in the Amplified. That sounds awful, doesn't it? Sorry about that. <laughs> Ephesians five seventeen and 18. Therefore... Do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. So during this season of the year, even though you may be enjoying a refreshing, delicious, non-alcoholic beverage, don't forget to drink in of the spirit of God. Be ever filled with the spirit that denotes to us. Be ever filled that it is continuous. You can't just take one drink of the Holy Ghost. You can't just be filled with the spirit one time. Things happen in life that cause our cause the spirit of God to drain out of us. That cause us to leak the spirit of God. So we have to have continual times of drinking in of the spirit of God. One translation of verse 18 says, get tanked up. On the spirit. I want to exhort you. Don't leave your home. Without being filled. 
with the Holy Spirit. Some say, well, how do I get filled? How do I drink in of the Spirit of God? The best way I know is to pray in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that's living on the inside of you will bubble up and rise up. And it will cause your spirit, man, to get stronger and stronger and stronger. When you receive Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Then when you get filled, how many of you tonight are filled with the Holy Ghost? You speak in other tongues. Hallelujah. And you're not ashamed of it. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that's the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. But that's only, that's a one-time thing in the beginning. But that says we are to be ever filled. If you want to stay drunk in the spirit, if you want to say tanked up in the spirit, you got to keep drinking in of the spirit of God. So when we eat the word, joy comes. When we pray in the Holy spirit, joy is ignited on the inside of us. We have a reason to be happy. We have a cause to rejoice. And if we want to keep that joy level strong, we got to eat, drink, and be merry. Eat of the word, drink in of the spirit. That's how you keep merry in Christmas. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus.